We're going to continue where we were last week in John 1. John 1 is loaded with theological truth that I barely scratched on the surface last week. And there was so much that uh, I wasn't able to, to highlight. And so this week we're going to look at John 1 again. And we're going to focus on Jesus as the true light. One of the things I love about Christmas time is all the lights. It's a celebration of lights. There's candles. There's Christmas lights. There are neighborhoods that you can go and drive through and look at beautiful decorated houses that display light. My family, it's a tradition of our family to do so every year. We drive through Highland Park and we look at the beautiful decorated homes. My wife and I probably enjoy just looking at the homes just as much as we do looking at the lights because they're beautiful homes there in Highland Park. But the lights that we see in Christmas time are reminders for us. They're, they're not only decorative, but they are also symbolic, pointing to a, a greater light. A, a more meaningful light, an everlasting light, namely Christ. And the Bible uses this language of light and darkness in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And we're going to look at what it means, what darkness means when the Bible talks about darkness and what light means and what it means for Jesus to be the light, the true light of the world. So let us pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you. That you have not left us in darkness. And this morning, as we feel the weight of darkness in the world, politically, morally, relationally, God, we ask that you would come and shine in our lives. You would shine through. We want to prepare room in our hearts and in our lives for you to shine your light. And so come and give us life this morning. Give us joy in your presence this morning. Give us understanding. I pray this for each of us, even the children amongst us this morning, that you give us understanding. May we see you for who you are And may we see the world in light of you and what you have said. And God, give us victory over the darkness around us, but also within us. Bring your kingdom of light here. Your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, This time of year, from December 20th to 23rd, this is the darkest time of the year in in many places. Um, It's the winter solstice, and it's, for many of you, you, in the morning you get up and you go to work, and it's dark. And you come home, and you get home, and it's dark, because there's less daylight hours. And so there's this darkness Physically around us, but also there's this darkness that's magnified during this time of year. People are hurting and struggling. 
And while, while many families are enjoying the good gifts of family and, and, and the physical provision that they have in this life and the good things that they have, they're enjoying in this life others who are without and who are struggling in darkness. And just because you don't have doesn't mean you're in darkness. But there's a magnification of injustice and pain and struggle and relational brokenness during this time of year, just as there's a magnification of the good things that we have that come from God. All right. There's a contrast. Light shines the brightest in the darkest places. Light shines the brightest in the darkest places. The gospel of John points to Jesus as the very source of life. And we're going to we're going to look at that here in the scripture that Jesus is the true light who has come to to bring life to conquer darkness and reveal God to us. That's our big idea. That's where we're going from John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, John says this. He says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And all God's people said, Amen. So the first thing I'd like for us to look at this morning is that Jesus is the source of life and light. Jesus is the source of life and light. John says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The Apostle John uses light as a metaphor for truth and holiness in contrast to darkness, which is a metaphor for deceit and sin. The darkness is a metaphor for violence, injustice, abuse of power, refugees fleeing, oppression, families ripped apart, bottomless grief, deception, oppression, racism, immorality, cultic practices, and so on. Darkness represents evil, deceit, and, and Satan's kingdom of darkness. And Jesus came to counter that, to destroy the kingdom of darkness, to destroy the work of the devil. He came to bring us life. He came to bring us light and life. Light is essential for every living being. We need light to survive. There was an article written about what would happen if the sun stopped working, if the sun just went out, which 
I don't foresee happening anytime soon. But but we would freeze and, and we could get by for a little while, but but we would ultimately freeze. We need light to survive. God's just designed it that way. And God is the source of light. F.F. F. Bruce says that light is the is a synonym for goodness and truth, and the darkness is a synonym for evil and for falsehood. Another theologian says, intellectually, light refers to truth. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And darkness to falsehood. Morally, light refers to holiness and darkness to sin. So Jesus is the very source of light. He was with the Father in the beginning. He was agent and creator. Through him, all things were made that were made. John tells us that, that the word was with God and the word was God. And John uses the same language that Genesis uses, that Moses used in the book of Genesis, saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And God said, let there be light. One of the very first things that God does in, in creation and in creating is, is he, he says, let there be light. He's the very source of it. And John, the apostle John, points us to the reality that Jesus is creator. That Jesus is not only the word who was with God, but the word who was God. He, Jesus came as God in the flesh, fully God and fully man. And we talked about that last week. We talked about seven implications of the incarnation of Christ and what that means for us, that that God took on flesh. He took on flesh, that Jesus came as God the Son. And we believe, and John highlights this, we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each being God. And we'll look a little bit more at that. But Jesus came as the source of light and life. He came as the promised light that the uh, the prophet Isaiah talked about in Isaiah 9-2. And Matthew quotes this. I believe Luke also quotes quotes this or alludes to this. In, in Isaiah 9-2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Okay? Jesus is the fulfillment of this. Matthew helps us see that in quoting Isaiah and and, and highlighting that God is a promise keeper. God has fulfilled on his promise in sending us the Messiah who came as the light of the world. Isaiah 42, 6 says that, that I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Isaiah 60, 19 says the Lord will be your everlasting light and will be your glory. So Jesus came as the light. The Apostle John wrote another epistle in 1 John 1. He said, he made this statement. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is the very source of light. And we believe that Jesus, the Son of God, is one with God. And so he's the source. He, he came to bring light into this dark world. 
similarly to how he, in the beginning, when darkness covered the earth, he spoke, let there be light. He came to bring light into this dark world so that we might have life through him. David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I remember as a child being afraid of being in the dark. At different times. I remember particularly when I was a little, little guy riding my bike around the neighborhood. There was a, there was a cemetery that I used to, used to ride by. And when it was dark and I would ride by that cemetery, I remember riding as fast as I can. Just cause it was dark and there was a cemetery and it was kind of scary and I was just a elementary school kid. And, and, and so light helps us it helps dispel fear. It helps push back confusion. Light helps give life to us. Light helps us see beauty and goodness. We're through light. We're able to see beauty and goodness that God create, created. Through light, we're able to see the truth, the reality. So that we're not stumbling around in the darkness. I mean, one of the first things we do when we get up in the morning so we don't bump in the furniture and stuff is we turn the lights on. We turn some light on in the room, right? We don't like to turn the bright lights on in the morning. We want the dim lights. Right now it's the Christmas tree lights. It's the the, the nice, warm, dimly lit lights in the morning. Most of us don't don't want bright lights shining in our face right when we wake up. We we want to We want to kind of warm up to it, right? God is light. He's the source of light. Charles Wesley made reference to this in, in the, I believe it's the third verse in Hark the Herald Angels Sing. He said, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light in life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lay His glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. The Nicene Creed speaks of Jesus. Christians came together pushing back on heretical ideas that had creeped in among the Christian community. Ideas like Jesus was, uh, was, was created. He was a created being. And so the Christian community came together with a statement and they had, they, they came up with this creed and, and, and referring to Jesus, this is what they said. And we believe in, in, in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. Of the same essence of the Father. Through Him all things were made. For us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit. And the Virgin Mary. And was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended in the heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. Church, we believe that. Historically, the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, followers of Jesus Christ have believed this truth that, that Jesus is God. God the Son, the Word become flesh. The other thing I want us to see in verse 5 is that Jesus is the light that overcomes the darkness. Isn't this refreshing? 
when we feel overwhelmed and intimidated and confronted by the abuse of power in this world, when we feel the pain of injustice around us, the pain of sickness and suffering around us, cancer diagnosis, the pain of, of having your property stolen from you and being mistreated, the pain of racism in light of the darkness that permeates this world, Jesus came to overcome the darkness. Now the Greek word there for overcome is katalabano. It can mean a couple different things here. Some theologians would prefer to interpret this as to comprehend or to understand. Uh, some translators, maybe the NIV, uh, translate it as understand. The, the, the darkness does not understand or comprehend the light. Other theologians would, would err on the side of overcome. Uh, like this, the ESV translation translates it overcome and it may be, and John does this, it may be that John intentionally, inspired by the Holy Spirit, intended a double meaning in this. Where he left it, where it could, he chose that word and it could be, it could be the, the darkness doesn't understand or comprehend or the dar- darkness doesn't overcome. Theologically, I, I think both are, are, there's theological truth in both of these. It may be that as one theologian points out that John is, he's beating a drum here that, that Jesus is going to overcome the darkness by going down into a dark tomb, dying for the sins of the world, allowing himself to be crucified by the Romans and the Jews and the principalities and the powers of darkness. And he allowed himself to go down into a dark grave and then he rose up from the grave and he overcame light light overcame the darkness katalambano so jesus is the light that overcomes the world jesus is the true light he's the light that gives us understanding see he overcomes the world he gives us life he reveals God to us. He gives us understanding. Verse 9 says, He's the, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. You can see here how some of the translators might lean towards the, the comprehend for Catalambano when it says he, the world did not know him. They didn't, they, they missed it. They, they failed to recognize him for who he was. By the way, in John 12, that same word katalambano is used to referring to overtake or overcome. And we'll look at that shortly. But Jesus is the light that gives us understanding. So he's the light that gives, he's the true light that gives light to everyone who was, he, who had come into the world. Jesus is, he refers to himself as the light of the world in John 8, 12 and in John 9. But he's the true light. And I, and I think what John is implying here is he's the ultimate light. He's not just a reflection of the light or, or just a lamp. Like John the Baptist was described as a lamp that was shining bright. Okay, but he wasn't the light. He wasn't the true light, but he was a lamp who bore witness of the light in John 5. He was described as that. We, as Christians, Jesus called his followers the light of the world as well. 
We're to let our light shine. But here's the deal. Jesus is the source. All the other messengers and representatives of Christ that, that God has sent into the world, they're just reflections of the light. Kind of like the moon, if you will. The moon reflects the sun. The moon isn't the source. The sun is the source, right? And the moon reflects it. We're called to be like the moon and reflect the light of the S-O-N, Son of God. God's designed us for that. And God forbid that we should pridefully and arrogantly think that we're the source of that light. Jesus is. C.S. Lewis said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Not only because I see it, but by it I see everything else. You see, sunlight helps us to see the beautiful world that God has created. It helps us see what's in front of us when we're driving or when we're walking, you know, otherwise we would need a, a, a headlight or a, a flashlight. Last Thursday, we had a wonderful time doing Christmas carols. Thank you for everyone who showed up for that. We had flashing lights, necklaces, earrings, and our phones. And we were just kind of walking in the neighborhood in, at nighttime as lights, shining the light of Jesus, declaring Jesus through song to people. And it was beautiful to see people's hearts warmed. Uh, one guy said, I've been here 35 years and nobody's ever done this before. Uh, people were trying to give us money. I was like, no, 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 no. And it was, it was just, it was a beautiful time. Um, we were shining as lights in the world. But Jesus is the source. He's the true light that gives light to everyone. He gives us understanding. Now, he's created all people, Christians and non-Christians. He's made everyone in his image, and he's given all people intellectual capacities. The ability to, to reason, the, the ability to make moral decisions. He's given everybody a conscience, whether you're a Christian or not. He's put this, what, what theologians call general revelation inside of every Every person he's revealed right and wrong through our consciences. So whether we know the Bible or not, uh, we're, we're, we're told this is morally, it's morally wrong to lie, to steal, to murder, to commit sexual immorality. We, we, we know that internally, right? And then we have the capacity to think, to reason, to, to communicate, being made in the image of God. But, but there's, there's another understanding that, that God, He gives to His people, those who come humbly to Him, those who receive the light and don't run from the light and reject the light. He gives us spiritual understanding. He gives us eyes to see. As C.S. Lewis, who wasn't a believer all his life, I, I, I think it may have been midlife or later in life when he became a believer. He was, he was a very intelligent man and he had this conversation with Tolkien, J.R. Tolkien and, and the Lord used Tolkien to, to, to bring Lewis to Christ. Some of the things that he said, but his eyes were opened up. His spiritual eyes were opened up. Lewis was a very, C.S. Lewis was a very intelligent man, but he had spiritual blindness until Jesus penetrated the spiritual darkness in his life. With light. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 that as God spoke 
at, the, at creation, let there be light. So the, the light of the gospel has shone in our hearts. So Jesus is the true light who gives us understanding. First John five twenty says this, and we know that the son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Amen. Jesus is also the universal light. He's the, he came as the light of the world. He didn't just come for the Jewish people. He didn't just come for the elite and wealthy people. He came for poor people. He came for Jews and Gentiles. He came for the intellectual and the unlearned. He came for all peoples. And around his throne, he will have a redeemed people in heaven from every tribe and every tongue worshiping him. Christianity isn't merely a European Western religion. Christ isn't just for the Western side of the world. Actually, Christianity started in the East, in the Middle East. And, and, and Jesus is a universal Savior. He's the Savior of the world. He's the light of the world offered to the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever would believe it, whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus described himself as the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Will have the light of life. He said it again in John 9. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And you know what Jesus did right after this statement in John 9? He healed a blind man. There was a man who had been blind and he healed him. He showed his power. He manifested the reality that he is the light of the world by by doing a miracle. A man who had been born blind, who had lived his entire life blind, who couldn't see the beauty around him. With his physical eyes. He couldn't enjoy the colors that you and I get to see. He couldn't see obstacles that were in his way as he tried to walk. And probably stumbled over many things in his life trying to walk. And Jesus performs a miracle. The miracle worker. The almighty. He sees this blind man and he opens his eyes. And these miracles that Jesus performed in the gospel of John... They point to the glory of who he is. Jesus had seven I am statements in the gospel of John. And many of the miracles that he performed pointed to the glory of who he is when he said, I am the light of the world. Let me just let me show you with a work with with a with a miraculous work to confirm to you. I am the light of the world. This blind man who can't see. I'm going to give him light right now. And Jesus is still opening up blind eyes today. Spiritually speaking, he's doing that all the time. He is opening the blind eyes of those who can't see. Amen. He is the light of the world. Just like uh, he said, he's the resurrection and the life in John 11. 
And he, he declares that statement and he raises Lazarus from the dead to confirm the glory of who he is. He's the resurrection and the life. Let me show you that I'm the resurrection and the life. Let me display that glory that, that points to, to who I am by raising Lazarus from the dead. See, you, through Jesus, through the incarnation of Jesus Christ, you and I can know God. You and I can know God personally and intimately in a saving relationship. We don't have to stay in the dark of ignorance about who God is and what God is doing in the world. We can have a close, personal, intimate relationship with God and know Him. And Jesus described this as eternal life. John seventeen three, He said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom you sent. You see, the incarnation of Christ shows us, Jesus came to show us who God is. Let's read John 14 uh, through 18 here. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. Jesus came to this earth and he put the glory of God on display in flesh. Now, Jesus, physically speaking, the, the Bible tells us he wasn't an, a very attractive person. He wasn't the kind of f- person who had a physical appearance that would be on some of our magazines as, as a model. All right. Physically speaking. But he had a glory that he displayed through his character through his love, through his humility, through the grace that he walked in, through the truth that he so beautifully spoke, powerfully spoke into the lives of those who needed to hear it. He displayed the glory of God and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father in John 14. He displayed what God the Father was like. He declared what God the Father was like. He's the only mediator between the Father and humanity by which we can be saved. One of the seven I am statements in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say he's a way, one of many, okay, which the modern world would would dub him as. He's just one of many, one among many. He said exclusively, he is the way. He's the source of life. John tells us that he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. And so here at City Church, it's part of our vision for us to know Jesus personally, intimately, and accurately. 
to have a saving relationship with him. Children, it's not enough to just know about him. It's not enough to know that your mom and dad know him and love him and have a personal relationship with him. You need a personal relationship with Christ by coming to him in faith, receiving Jesus as the greatest Christmas gift ever, the ultimate Christmas gift that God the Father wrapped up in a manger and swaddling cloth, light came into the world for you and me. And if John tells us, John 1, 12 and 13, right before this, those who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives them the right to become children of God. God gives salvation. He gives a new birth. Which the Bible says you and I need if we're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're born again, he told a religious leader in John 3, Nicodemus, he said, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus gives us understanding and spiritual perception through the new birth. Through his birth, the incarnation, he came into the world so that you and I can have a new birth and be eternally in the family of God. One of the things I love about the, the incarnation is that, that though God is transcendent in time and space, He's not limited by time and space. The transcendent, almighty God, the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God stepped down into the universe and He took on flesh. He became a man to show us what he's like. Other religions kind of leave their, their deities in obscurity. And, and, and they're not knowable like our God is. The God of the Bible. God reveals himself. Though there is mystery to who he is. There are profound mysteries to who he is that are difficult to understand. Like God being three in one. And a virgin Having a baby, having never been with a man, having a baby, a miraculous birth, right? The incarnation, it's mysterious. Though, though there's mystery, God can be known. We can know God. Though, though we don't have full, comprehensive, exhaustive knowledge of who He is, we can know Him accurately and we can know Him intimately in a personal relationship. We can know his character. We can know his word. And by the way, to know the idea of God being, Jesus being the Logos, the word, speaks to how God communicates. God, God communicates. He speaks. He reveals himself. John could have said he was, he was the deed. In the beginning was the deed. John could have said, in the beginning was the emotion. And in the beginning was the thought. He didn't say any of those things. He said, in the beginning was the word. Okay? And that, that highlights that God is a communicator. And that Jesus particularly communicates God to the world. If you've seen Him, you've seen the Father. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Last, last week I shared seven implications of the incarnation. That, that through the incarnation, God's presence was brought near to us. 
It points to the sympathy of God. It points to the humility of God. It points to the love of God. It points to the power of God. It points to the, the, the grace and generosity of God. He was full of grace and truth. So through him, through the incarnation, we can know God. We can see him for, for who he is. Notice verse 18. Verse 18, the, the net Bible, there's a couple different translations here. Uh, the net Bible says this, no one has ever seen God. The only one himself, God, who is in the closest fellowship with the father has made God known. Uh, the NLT says no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself. God is near the father's heart has revealed God to us. The paraphrase, uh, the message says no one has ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse this one of a kind God expression who exists at the very heart of the father has made him plain as day thunder in the desert. Isn't that good? Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God to us. He's the light of the world. And so we can have a personal relationship with him. And, and verse 14 says that he became flesh and he dwelt among us. That, that means uh, he pitched a tent. He tabernacled among us. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was with the, with the Israelites in the tabernacle that they would, that they would bring with them and that, that, that possessed the, the presence of God. And John says, we've seen his glory. Theologians say that he's probably thinking of, of something similar to what, what God revealed to Moses when Moses said, God, show me your glory. I want to see you. And God says, okay, you, you know, you really can't see me. If you see me, you'll be toast. You can't see me, you know, directly. Like he, so, but I'll, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll pass by. And God caused his glory to pass by. Moses got a glimpse of his glory. And this is what happened when God passed by. He said, he's the Lord. Gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God revealed the glory of his character to Moses. And in Jesus, we have somebody who came in human form. God, fully God, fully man, who reveals God to us. And he was described, his glory is described as one who was full of grace and truth. The Greek word is charis, charis, and it's a loaded, it's a loaded word. It's often used as un grace, as a undeserved favor or blessing. Uh, but there's, there's so much more in that. that I, few, several, about two months ago, I've talked a little bit about, tried to unpack some of the different meanings of the word grace there. Theologians would also point to these two phrases uh, paralleling to an Old Testament couplet of the word loving kindness and faithfulness. That over and over that, that's used to speak about who God is and how he deals with his people in covenant, how he cares for his people with loving kindness and faithfulness. But Jesus is the one who makes God known to us. Hebrews 1.3 says this, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is Jesus. The exact imprint of his nature. He's full of grace and truth. 
Many people have misunderstandings and misconceptions about what God is like. In creation, we can see, we can see glimpses of his invisible attributes in creation. He cares for birds, thunder and lightning and winds and storms. There's, there's power. There's provision. There's beauty. We, we see goodness in creation. We see God opening his hand and graciously giving food to, to his creation, right? So there's this general revelation that's in creation, but through Jesus we have this specific, special revelation of the glory of God manifested for us to see, recorded in scripture. And so we know what God is like, because God has specifically told us what he's like. And the person of Jesus and the apostles, they recorded the glory that they saw. This is what he's like. He's gracious. He's loving. He's compassionate. He's faithful. He's true. He's righteous. He's holy. He's pure. He's light. And he's love. He's grace. And he's truth. Unfortunately, many people are spiritually blind and they can't see who God is. They scorn. They reject They run from the light like cockroaches do when you turn the light on. They hate the light. One theologian says this, the reason for humanity's inability to see God is twofold. First, God is spirit. John 4, 24. Second, humankind fell into sin and was expelled from God's presence. Jesus surmounted both obstacles. He himself, God, became a human being so that others could see God in him. And being sinless, he died for people so that their sinfulness no longer keeps them from entering into fellowship with God. Isn't that good? So why don't people come to him? John tells us why people don't come to him. Right after the most popular, most famous verse in the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's what Christmas is about. He gave his only begotten son that the son of God came into the world. He became flesh to save us, to rescue us. But John goes on after John 3.16 in verse 19 through 21. He says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness Rather than the light because their works were evil. John tells us the reason people don't come to the light. Is not only because they're spiritually blind. But because they love their sin. They love doing their sinful things. that And, and the light exposes those sinful things. And causes us to change and to come out of them. To live differently. To be differently. People love the darkness rather than the light because their their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. If you've been in the darkness for, for a long period of time, maybe sleeping, or, and it's been dark and you're you're confronted with light somebody turns the lights on or opens the window there's a moment where it's it's kind of painful isn't it it's like oh it's too much too much light and so that's how a lot of people in the world who don't know god feel when it comes to their lives their lives being exposed and how they're living 
it's, it's, the light is somewhat painful at first because it confronts us that there's something wrong with us, that in us, that we're doing, the way that we're thinking, the way that we're living. But the hope of the gospel is that we don't have to stay in the darkness. That we can come out of the darkness of hiding and deceit and hatred and confusion and misunderstanding. We can come into the light of God's presence, into the light of God's grace, into the light of God's truth and live our lives in the light of his goodness and love all the days of our life. One theologian, D.A. Carson, says this. He says, the reason unbelievers prefer darkness is fundamentally moral. It's not fundamentally intellectual. It's fundamentally moral. They love their sin and they do not want the light to expose it. Spiritual blindness, he says, uh, is when, when light shines, God enables some to see, but others who think they see turn away blinded by the light. You know, it's interesting how, like even the sunlight, for, for some material, sunlight will melt and others it'll, it'll harden. I want to exhort us to walk in the light. Jesus said in John 12, 35 and 36, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness katalabana you, overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Isn't this beautiful? There's moral implications for walking in the light. First John tells us that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, spiritual darkness that is, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us of all sin. There's just this continual cleansing this grace and mercy that continually comes to us as we live our lives in the light of transparency there's relational implications to walking in the light and that is to love it is a new commandment i am writing to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And lastly, there's, there's doctrinal implication. First John says that who, who is the liar? He who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Yet no one who denies the Son has the Father. First John 4, 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. You see, there was this this thinking uh, in the first century that, that Jesus wasn't really a physical human being, that he was just, he appeared as a physical human being. He, was, he wasn't flesh and blood, is, 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 was the thinking then. 
But John is very clear from, from John chapter 1 to 1 John in his epistle that he was, he became flesh and blood and dwelt among us. We've seen him. We've touched him. Thomas put his fingers on his scars. We ate with him. He ate food with us. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was tired. He was a human being. And he became killable so that he would be the sacrifice for our sins. As John says, John's testimony in John 129, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what Jesus came to do. To destroy the works of the devil. To take away the sins of the world. Receive Christ as your life and your light. He came to his own, but his own people and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In heaven, the new Jerusalem is described as a place that is lit up with light. Not by the sun. There will be no more need for the sun. Revelation 21 tells us, I saw a temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. They will bring into it glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. We're going to live in this city, saints, where there are streets of gold, pearly gates, which John describes here, beautiful streets of gold, transparent beautiful gold colors and sounds that we've probably never seen before and can can't even imagine when we're there and it will be glorious eternally glorious that hymn, christmas hymn silent night holy night third verse says the son of god he loves pure light radiant beams from thy holy face face with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. When the angels announced that the Savior was born, there was a light. The glory of God shone. This light broke in. It was dark. The shepherds all of a sudden see this great light. They weren't afraid of the dark. They were used to being in the dark with the sheep. But all of a sudden this light appears and it's blinding, it's frightening, and they're terrified. And there's this announcement, and the angels, they do what they usually do, is they say, don't be afraid. I bring you good, good news of great joy, right? And, 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 and they announce the Savior. We have this breaking in of the triumphant, indestructible light of the world who came to conquer darkness for you and I, who came to bring us life, who came to give us understanding, 
who came to give us the warmth of his love and grace and give us the reality of his truth so that we won't stumble in this world so we know where we're going and we know who we are. God calls us now children of light. You were once darkness, Paul says, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And I'm going to close with this. Walk in the light that God has given you. Move towards the light and live in the light. When it's cold and dark, it's comforting to be around a warm fire where there is light and where there is warmth. And so this morning, this Christmas, move towards the warmth of God's light where there is peace there is grace, there is truth, there is love, there is everything you need in Him. Move towards Him. Don't settle for the counterfeits. Move towards the true light. Move towards the source. And then let your light shine before others by doing good deeds. By telling others about Him. Jesus said in Matthew five fourteen through 16 you are the light of the world. He's telling His followers this. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, why does Jesus say, he's, in John, he says, I'm the light of the world. In Matthew, he says, you're the light of the world. Okay, both are true. Now, we're, we're not God. We're not divine like Jesus was and is when he walked this earth. But but we possess his spirit, his life in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we carry his light and, and we we reflect him to a lost and dying world. We're like like the moon is to the sun. We reflect his light. We're not the source. We reflect it. And we reflect it by doing good, by showing his love to others in practical acts of generosity, of service, and by speaking the gospel of truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And we invite you to shine, to reign in us. To have your way in our lives. To shine through us. We pray that we would see the darkness penetrated, pierced, and overcome in this season. And use us to spread the light and the love of Christ, to spread the truth and grace of Christ. Pray that your your light would dismantle lies that we've believed about ourselves, about you, and about others. Pray that your truth would set us free. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and may he lift up the light of his countenance upon you.
May he give you 